This is the Epilogue audio experience. What is the biggest thing any company or commercial enterprise, it could be an influencer, it could be a company, it could be a startup, it could be a crypto token, etc., should strive for? Uh, my answer 15 years back would have been brand. Today, the answer is community. We all love money in varying degrees and won't be really averse to having more. But finance as an industry has been experiencing massive shifts in ways that we haven't really seen in recent times. We've seen an incredible rise of cryptocurrency and how that has ushered in a whole new economy. So for the uninitiated, my guest today on Jamsters is one of India's leading authorities on cryptocurrency, an astute startup investor, former CEO of cryptocurrency exchange Zepay, and also former CEO of IIT Bombay's business incubator Sign, Ajit Khurana. Welcome on Jamsters and thank you for doing this. Thank you very much. Every time I ha- hear somebody introduce me, first I'm very impressed with the person being introduced, but it doesn't sound like me because I'm like, no, no, I didn't do any of those cool things. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you are uh, truly deserving of all of this and and I'm really glad to have this talk because uh, Jamsters has been uh, focused around everyone in the creator economy space, the creators who are doing incredible work and uh, people connected to the ecosystem. But, uh, you know, I had posted a question, Ajit, on my Instagram uh, saying that if you've got any questions around cryptocurrency, I've got Ajit on my podcast. I'd love for you to ask questions and I'll be more than happy to, you know, ask your uh, questions to him as well. Um, And my mom interestingly says that what's the rush with cryptocurrency? I don't understand this. And I found that to be a particularly interesting starting point because cryptocurrency has become such a rage, uh, particularly in the pandemic phase where everyone is trying to really understand, not miss out on the opportunity. There is a sense of FOMO as well around cryptocurrency. Can you deconstruct that a little bit? That What's the rush around cryptocurrency? When you are creating history, you're always in a hurry. As in, why would there be any other way? So I'll tell you the, the reason for the sudden spike in interest, if that construes to be rush, then I'm talking about rush. The fact is that there is a set of people, I include myself in those, who believes that this new way of doing things, and I really am talking about decentralization, but you know, decentralization, cryptocurrency, blockchain, very intimately, umbilically uh, related and linked concepts. So this new way of doing things, is I would, in my opinion, think that it is as revolutionary as in the early to mid 90s, the new way of doing things on the internet was. You know, like we had books of account before that, we had books of account after that. We would communicate before the internet, we communicated in the internet era. We had information published before the internet and we did it on the internet. But you would have to agree that it is a revolutionary new way. Though we may reminisce about good old days, but the fact is that The internet came and changed the world completely. I believe that another similar quantum leap awaits us. And we have seen just the initial trickle of the upcoming tsunami. And those who believe the same as I do are obviously in a hurry to rapidly adopt this. Interesting. Um, This sense of FOMO that everyone is currently having and many do not really understand cryptocurrency, right? I think from the perspective of where you are, 
you are a market leader in the sense of understanding the architecture the 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 foundations of how it is built but most of the people are in it because uh, you know they've seen a massive meteoric rise in let's say bitcoin and they felt that they missed out on that rush so let's go with another alternative coin and probably make a quick buck on that as well um we should talk about that a little bit more because i think when it comes to investing their own money uh with these kind of currencies a i don't think that including myself is that there is a very well formed understanding of why should someone actually put their money in this maybe you could unpack that so i think that the by the way the expression fomo uh is a monkey see monkey do or i do without i think kind of uh, thing so fomo by itself is a bad word right though we do fomo as long as we fomo and don't bet the farm i think they're okay it could be just one of those things as in you hear about something new it could be a new pizza topping it could be a new movie it could be a new place of investment so if you fomo without taking a very huge bet go for it but if you are putting a significant amounts of money which could alter your fortunes you really need to think hard so now let me get one level deeper while an educated and informed investor is the only reasonable type of investor but this is not new to cryptocurrency for instance several people have invested in the stock market or for that matter in mutual funds and while they may have some thesis around it no doubt about it they might say oh hdfc bank seems to open new branches so i think it's doing well let me buy shares of hdfc bank or oh you know this mutual fund ad is giving me something called an sip which seems like a very good way to invest so let me do that i think that at the very least there should be some thesis behind what we are doing as long as you have that i i also believe it is unreasonable for somebody to know everything about something i'll give you an example true there was an ipo by paytm many if not all of us use paytm but how many really know the engineering behind how money gets transferred from one wallet to the other the answer is close to zero so does that mean that because you don't know that you are not suitable to invest in paytm i think that is too far fetched it is like assuming that the world is black or white so uh, to now answer very precisely your question on the crypto front those people who say thing i'll give you the wrong things to say and then i'll say the acceptable things to say there is no right thing because right assumes that you are 100 out of 100 nobody is so wrong things to say are oh bitcoin did very well in the past it will do very well in the future bad logic bitcoin did very well in the past but i missed it so let me instead buy shitcoin if you will permit some french on this show right very very bad logic as if this is worse than the first one uh bitcoin did well in the past it has risen so much that i think it will rise some more well now we are talking of the fact that there is some logic but there is a timing issue and a lot of people it is said that the retail investor enters at the peak and exits at the bottom right so this mm. starts sounding like you're timing the market wrong but right things to say or acceptable things to say i kind of understand what decentralization is and you know whether it is social media whether it is email whether it is websites whether it is all these technologies mobile phones mobile internet tiktok or what have you all of these things have made people more powerful and do what they want seems like bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are one more step in that direction so there's a good chance it will succeed so i'll put a very small amount of my money into it okay reasonable logic another reasonable but derivative logic is that hey you know i heard somebody who i have a lot of respect for i have known for a very long time while i don't understand cryptocurrency that person seems to be saying that they have studied cryptocurrency uh maybe i could ride on their logic 
pretty much like you ride on the mutual fund manager's logic in terms of you know what stock should be invested into well this is also somewhat acceptable though i would say very rapidly please form your own thesis please do your own research and if you are relying on somebody else's thesis and research put a little bit of amount of money so i think that this is on the fomo and the logic and the illogic end of it one last word on this is that anybody who is invested in the stock market and i keep using an analogy because maybe some of your uh, uninitiated because that was the word you used right up front in this podcast some of your uninitiated guests might know a little bit more or find stock market a little more logical than the crypto market there is no such thing as studying stock every sort of stock whether it's an airline stock whether it's a real estate stock whether it's a banking stock requires a completely different way of looking at things which is why if you go to brokerage firms fund houses etc there are specialists for pharmaceutical there are specialists for sugar there are specialists for cement infra etc so i would say that nothing beats getting educated nothing beats even watching youtube and trying to understand things only one last word of caution is that there are a lot of people in this space who are spreading knowledge information who have a lot of vested interest so they may True. shill or pump some sort of a coin which they have a vested interest in so just be careful that you are not falling or falling prey to somebody you know uh, taking undue advantage of your uh, let's say l- lack of knowledge at this point So that's a very very important point. Uh, at this juncture, I must mention to all our listeners and viewers there that uh, the conversation here is not investment advice. So please ensure that you are not taking this conversation at the face value. Understand, do your own research as Ajit has mentioned, and then take an informed decision. So that's one. Uh, also, the other point which I want to circle back to is time when we don't want a central party to control our finances. We want the network. to take care of the decisions and the transactions that happen there um for again the uninitiated for people who don't understand this uh if you could give a quick lowdown on what is decentralized mean and why is this particularly important in this context of cryptocurrency i'm going to touch upon three related concepts because otherwise if you only talk of decentralization especially in a country like ours where i could come to you hardik and say hey listen hardik i think you should study this program or go and join this educational course you could turn around and ask me is it government recognized which means despite the point. fact that we may have poor opinion about our government functionaries or bureaucrats but still the government recognized thing is still very important right so given that i want to talk about three concepts first is this concept of trust we will be happy to put money in an hdfc bank or state bank we don't think that if i deposit money in it they could run away with it we don't think that way because we trust them right but somebody who comes to you and say hey listen give me your money i'll give you like a 100% rate of interest you're like yeah 100% i love you i don't trust right so this issue of trust becomes very important in financial transactions and the entire finance sector not just in banking or money all aspects of uh, uh, commerce what blockchain says is that there should not be a need for trust blockchain is not saying that the blockchain architecture is more trustworthy or completely trustworthy it says that the need for trust creates frictions removes alternatives and creates misinterest in the system so that is one second now going to decentralization look at it this way uh, when you hail an uber how do you do it you have an app the driver has an app you somehow are through an algorithm connected to each other then the then you meet you travel which also is another algorithm which shows you the navigation at the end you transfer some payment which also is another algorithm which is the digital payment algorithm 
at no point of time do you call the Uber company and say, hey, send me a cab. Or even if you have a complaint, at no point of time do you show up at the office of Uber and say, listen, this driver didn't talk to me properly. What I'm saying is that we have largely, maybe 70, 80, 90% of the entire uh, process, the business process has been automated. Likewise, today there are uh, people who have not gone to a bank branch since forever because they do only net banking, which means that has been automated. There are banks referred to as digital banks, neo banks, which don't even have a branch. What I'm trying to get at is that the degree of software eating the rest of the world is significant. It ranges from 10 to 99% depending on which sector you are in. What if those areas which are at 70, 80, 90, 99%, such as the financial sector, you could nudge it a little further ahead and say, let's try 100. Which means, why should there be an Uber company at all? Why can't there just be some open source software which does exactly all the things that the Uber software does? It connects riders with drivers. It does the navigation. It does the payment transfer. It has the rating system, etc. Right? As in, why give that money to the Uber company? Why give the money to Amazon if basically third-party sellers are selling on it? So this is the concept of decentralization that you remove the central authority. Like today, uh, and many may not have thought of it that way, when the Reserve Bank of India and the Ministry of Finance, which are the two entities in India which can print physical paper-based currency, when they print that money, and they have, let's say, what are called chests with RBI. Uh, what do they do with it? They don't give it to you and me because they have no mechanism to reach us. So instead, they give it to distribution agents, what we refer to as banks. So banks are uh, banks serve many purposes, of course, but one of them is to distribute currency that is created by these central agencies, right? Which is why now Reserve Bank of India, as well as bankers in more than 80 countries of the world are considering some form of cryptocurrency, which would be an authorized cryptocurrency. There's a fancy word for it called CBDC, which is Central Bank Digital Currency. Because in doing so, they will actually directly be able to disseminate the currency to people, right? Which is how paper, which is the big advantage of paper-based money. There are lots of disadvantages of paper-based money, but the direct advantage is that I can just give it to you. I don't need to have an app. I don't need to have internet access. I can directly give it to you. So this removal of the central agent is the new world, right? I'll give you one very interesting example. Uh, for those who are not not in their teens, they would, they would probably have experienced the fact that if you wanted news, you would have either, well, if you're as old as me, just one news called Doordarshan. If you're a little young, uh, younger than that, you would have these few news channels. But if you're today's person, you get a lot of your news from your WhatsApps and your Twitters and what have you. What I'm saying is that it is good, despite the fact that every new solution brings problems. But the fact that people have been enabled to become creators of news, disseminators of news, I think is empowering and democratizing. And that is taken one step further by taking control of the finances of people, which probably finances and military are the two things that define a country. In fact, military also depends on uh, finances. So I think that that is hence uh, what I like. Decentralization means remove the central authority, distribute it amongst people. It would be like if we did not have a parliament at all. Uh, why should we send representatives like to the Lok Sabha? Why don't all of us vote on issues that affect us? Earlier, it was impossible. Because how could like, you know, it would be like conducting an election, which is such a big deal. But today we have digital devices. If we can have Aadhaar cards, if we can have our Shield and Covaxin happening on the mobile device, we can even do voting. That is decentralization. You mentioned something about software eating the world. At this juncture, I must uh, bring in the conversation around uh, Andrew Horowitz, A16Z, uh, the legendary venture capital firm. 
the objective with which the creator economy decentralization uh making uh money accessible to all uh was started off with 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 a very um pure idea there is also this school of thought that uh, the leading venture capital firms have somehow uh monopolized the space by pumping in money uh would you want to shed some light on that how much of it is truth and uh, is there opportunity for the smaller players to come in and actually partake in this new revolution that's coming in so you know uh i must begin by apologizing to all your uh, listeners viewers uh that this is not something i'm saying i like i'm just telling you this is what it is right since forever the richer have had greater access to good things it's simply that right and so much so that we have stopped asking questions for example let us say that you require a certain level of affluence to even have a two wheeler that means you have to at least be lower middle class to be able to have even a two wheeler so now let's look at the people below that who can't even have a two wheeler why is it that 30% of our country or at least urban areas are concretized by roads just for the people who are able to afford vehicles what about those who can't afford why are they giving up so much of their land just to build roads they don't need those sort of roads they don't need to be shooed off the roads because people with vehicles are going on them likewise uh, the pollution that all the people suffer from the vehicular pollution the industrial pollution the ones who don't want to partake in that revolution or cannot afford to why should they have to pay the price so this problem of the haves and have nots has been around forever and regrettably it is not solved by no means even in the decentralized era however there is a difference if you go back like for example i finished my mba in the year 1993 and when i visited india subsequent to that and i expressed to people that you know while i have studied abroad uh, i did my mba abroad to be precise i really would like to do something in india uh, i remember my bank manager saying oh why don't you join some tata birla so that tata birla was almost as if okay that means it's a good company and there are like two names of course this was 1993 10 years ago there had been like there was city bank and there was reliance there are so many more but still people had grown up with these few names who you had to go and serve there was the godrej etc then came the startup revolution so the common person several of who are listening to the, us today actually had the opportunity i'm not saying they got as much of an opportunity as the traditional rich guys no but at least it was not at zero it gave a new opportunity likewise these foreign based vc funds came to india in the late 90s and early 2000s after that the indian guys the angel investors said you know what we can also play this game maybe at a different level so one of the good things is that while there is i think it is silly it is it is just absolutely impractical to say that the playing field has leveled but it is also equally true that it is more level than before where it was inaccessible like today people are let's say you talk to the creator economy people are able to create stuff and monetize it or at least some of them are like simply take the case of what people were doing with tiktok earlier before it got banned in india or what they are doing with youtube now people are creating some stuff they are coming and talking to you and some of the people are making reasonable amounts of money doing that that option wasn't available earlier now the analogy of that took the crypto world if you are not in a position of privilege or you are starting from a position which is not of privilege or not of extreme privilege the only way you can rise is because that you know more than what others know this is where education comes into play skill comes into place you can take greater risk than other people take or this is the main one you can be faster than others 
So a lot of people who adopted the crypto paradigm a few years ago, I started in September of 16. I started studying it in 14, but it seemed pretty stupid to me. As in, it seemed like really weird, bizarre nonsense. That was my first <laughs> reaction when I came across it in the, in the year 2014, or rather looking at it in the year 2014. But luckily, I still came in in 2016. And I think, so now I've been here for more than five years. So the sooner, the better. Of course, the disadvantage of being soon or early is that you might align with the wrong thing and might regret that. So there are two points in particular that I want to unwind. One, uh, which circles back to the initial point about um, the creators talking about cryptocurrency on social media, right? So disseminating information, that's one. Uh, but these are influencers who are having large communities. Uh, they drive decisions of their um, about about vested interest actually i want to particularly circle back to uh, so when a handful of people decide uh, again again they, they might be getting monetized there might be some brand association there we have no idea of verifying that and uh, lately there have been a lot of business leaders as well startup founders who've who've been in the news for you know being associated with the wrong kind of coins uh, the wrong kind of currencies as well um, and on the other hand the second part would be also around uh, how does then one identify this? Because it's very difficult for someone with who has very limited understanding of this. But A, they see their influencer, they believe in them. And the second get conned and they feel that mm, I've burnt my hands, not worth it. I either lose trust with the influencer or I hate cryptocurrency. There is a massive gap to be filled, at least according to me. Um, how does one bridge this gap? So I'll take one step back and talk about how people became influencers in the first place. So while if we take a snapshot view and say, hey, here we are today, here are some influencers who have this massive following, but they were not always influencers. They were not like movie stars like an Amitabh Bachchan who has been around since forever. These are new people, right? So I think that when these new people were just starting out, uh, they were like at the same zero level that some of us are today. Uh, so they did something, right? They kept at it. Of course, there must have been some element of luck. And they made it. So first of all, try to be an influencer yourself. I think literally every one of you has influence. Literally. As in it's impossible. As in a dead body has influence. So literally everybody has influence. <laughs> it, as, am I not right? As in that Very is the case. Very example, but we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that, you know, I just wanted to emphasize that it is not about the fact that it is a slogan that everybody has. It is a fact that everybody has influence, right? Uh, at least your mom thinks that you're good. Right. So everybody has some influence in light of that. Try to extend it. Now, when you go beyond being just a very, very nano or very, very local influencer, you will require knowledge and awareness other than articulation and communication. And that is where you start. Understand. I'll give you an example. I uh, wrote my I've written eight books. I wrote my first book in the year 2002. I started writing in 1999, took 33 months to do that. And frankly, I got really mad at all authors after I authored my first book because prior to that, a book meant something like really serious, like an author. That means the guy really knows his stuff. But I met True. so many authors. I met the editors. I saw how the process works. And I'm like, shucks, man. My Having become an author, my respect for all authors has gone down. <laughs> it is a little like Groucho <laughs> It's a little like Groucho Marx saying that I refuse to be a member of any club that would have me as its member, right? So actually, I encountered that exact moment and then I realized that we tend to very wrongly idolize people based on who they are, how they look, how they talk, how many followers they have, how famous they are, etc. Uh, well, 
if that is how you are going to think about things then you are going to continue losing except in that one off chance that that influencer is truly working for your benefit i don't buy into influencers i am averse to godmen political leaders are a complete aversion not that i don't enter, uh, get entertained by their speeches but the fact is that everybody has to do their own research and by the way i have a view on bitcoin i have a view on ethereum i have a view on cryptocurrency i by the way do not think this is all about money it was when it was bitcoin uh, but now things have gone far ahead like with defi with nfts with so many things it is no longer about a new form of money or transaction or currency etc it has gone like far beyond that right but but just to conclude this thought because you are going to so i'm going to i'm predicting that your next question is going to be on nft because i see that you pick one good point that i said and you say i'm going to go deeper into that so i know that nft is coming but before that i'll tell you this i may have views there is nothing to say that my views have to all be right in fact if i look at my own track record uh, i have been wrong more number of times than i have been right this is by the way an absolute arithmetic fact the reason why i have not been a complete failure despite being wrong more number of times is that when i am wrong i sooner or later recognize it and cut my losses but when i am right i let my right outcome ride for a prolonged time so one right decision beats several wrong decisions i shouldn't say 100 but probably one right decision beats five wrong decisions in the way i structure it namely i let the right outcome ride and the wrong outcome be booked the loss and move ahead so i think that everybody who is listening to this uh, and at this point of time since i have hardik looking at me i know that hardik is listening to me if there's anybody else listening to me at all then in whichever platform you can come and tell me that hey you heard this jamsters podcast please tell me so that i can go back to hardik and said you know what the total listenership was more than just you having said that <laughs> i think that you know just uh, make sure to do your own research and you know a lot of people say hey where do i start congratulations you are listening to this podcast it has started that is all there is to it it doesn't mean that you have to go and do a course somewhere it doesn't mean that you have to get a university degree it is just that uh, you know i would say that even if you are curious enough that is enough because you will find a way to satisfy that curiosity you are attending you are listening to this podcast you'll go and listen to some other videos you might just read an article or so then google and youtube and alexa and everybody will figure out what it is that you want to know and then they'll start dishing out more and more stuff based on their algorithm and you'll read more and more and sooner or later you'll find that hardik is inviting you to be invited uh, to be talk on his podcast right that is all it takes so please start your journey interesting um Uh, i want to circle back to this one interview that you had given with zeppe in 2018 in which you mentioned that the time that you were recording this uh, video that interview uh, bitcoin was the favorite and then a couple of years back you mentioned ethereum ether was favorite uh, which is i think circles back to the point that when people make a decision based on certain thing uh, there is a thesis behind what the person is saying which which i think is very very important to understand uh, do not take it at blanket statement that because bitcoin has got a rally i might enjoy as well because the volatility is something that is extremely unnerving uh, for most i think for probably every single individual people like stability of sorts uh, while i will come to nft i want to talk about uh, the piece of volatility which i think is particularly very difficult to navigate and that will circle back to the stock market as well but more so with cryptocurrency um how do ajit as an individual view risk uh, when it comes to assessing either your portfolio or just probably whether it's an opportunity worth going after or not particularly in this context of investing 
So when it comes to taking a view on something like you gave the Bitcoin Ethereum example and I always like to take a step back, I will of course answer your question directly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to a new restaurant where you have not been before but it seems like worthwhile trying and you are presented with a menu and you are pouring over it and trying to understand what these words mean especially when menus use very fancy foreign sounding names of dishes which mean nothing to you and then you go ahead and make a choice and something comes to your table. Be honest, hasn't it often been the case that you look over your shoulder to the next table and it seems like what they got was much better than what you got, right? As in this is so true that I have now started going to a new restaurant and just looking at what others are saying and saying, get me that, right? Because mm. it is probably a little better than, you know, just looking at a menu which I don't understand. So the fact that you may make all your educated decisions in ordering or choosing cryptocurrency or investment option or life partner or relationship or best utilization of your time, there's a good chance that you'll turn out later to find that it was not the right thing. Now, as far as risk is concerned, cryptocurrency has three clear risks. There's a regulatory risk, there's a hacking risk, and there's an obsolescence risk. What you are referring to, however, is the volatility risk. So to begin with, other than the first three risks, I often tell people that I don't regard volatility as a risk, which is actually a very, very uh, as in scary thing to say because statistically risk is defined by volatility, variation, standard deviation, etc. And in general, also the fact that you can buy at a high price and it falls down and you lost money, surely there must be risk. Okay, I'm not going to debate the technicality of it, but the fact still is that volatility is a very important characteristic of most of the things. Like, for example, would you really want to invest in a uh, stable coin, which means a coin whose value is always exactly $1? No, you may hold it as you hold currency, which you want to spend and transact with. But the fact is that you want volatility, except that you want volatility in your favor. Namely, you want to buy it today and you want volatility to kick in so that you become rich, very rich tomorrow. The True. pain that you encounter with volatility is that it often does exactly the opposite. You buy and then it crashes. And you're like, oh my God, I hate this volatility. You don't hate the volatility. You hate the fact that it did not work for you. Otherwise, you would love the volatility, right? As if you bought something for 10, it became 20 tomorrow. You would not say, I hate volatility. You'd say, hey, you know what? I'm glad there was volatility. So, there are two approaches to this. One is that you come up by looking at charts, come up with hearing videos, experts, gurus, and say, this is the right time to buy or sell. I personally have no belief in that approach. I think it is a superstitious approach, though you may be using graphical methods, technical analysis, charts, uh, or whatever, right? The other approach is the one I take. And I say, listen, if on the whole, I like the asset, so for example, I like a certain cryptocurrency. And ladies and gentlemen, you will see that I'm completely desisting from even using examples of cryptocurrencies because I don't want you to leave here thinking that Ajit said buy that. I did not say that. In fact, you know, there are like, that's the only question that I, if there were a and a at the end of this, of course, this is an entire Q&A itself. But the only <laughs> question I don't answer is that, hey, what should I buy to become rich like really fast? But coming back to what I was saying, let's suppose I have a thesis that I like this particular token for whatever reason. But I just don't know if this is the right time to buy. The price currently is 100. But it was also 20. Uh, 10 months back. Uh, it was also 200 sometimes ago, some time ago. So should is 100 so much higher than 20 that I should wait for it to fall? Or is 100 so much better than 200 that I'm like, hey, I'm getting a bargain. What if I buy at 100 and it becomes 90 the next day? So these are questions that I don't know how to answer, but I have to answer because I have to transact. Otherwise, I'm just a bystander. Fence sitting is the worst thing. 
either you play or you go home sitting on the fence worst idea so there is the concept of averaging uh, now please understand that those who understand those who know that the average of 4 and 6 is 5 might think that i am talking about such a trivial idea not at all this is a very sophisticated idea compared to just an arithmetic mean the arithmetic mean of 4 and 6 is indeed 5 but why do mutual funds keep shouting about sip 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 that the idea is i'll tell you two types of averagings and i'm going to try to keep it very very non quantitative because a lot of people don't like numbers suppose you go and buy one unit of this cryptocurrency every day so one day it is 100 one day it is 90 one day it's 110 etc and you say okay i got the average price bad idea very bad idea this averaging is stupid i'll tell you what is the correct averaging you find a particular amount of rupees not number of tokens but a certain amount of rupees such as 100 rupees and you go every day or every week or every month or whatever is your budget and buy that same amount of rupees worth of this token regardless of what the price is you know what this will do on those days when the token price is low let us say it's 40 50 60 70 80 or whatever you will get more number of units on those days when the token price is high 150 200 300 whatever you'll get fewer number of units as a result your average acquisition price will not be the average price of all your purchase points. It will be much better than that. Much, True. much better than that. This concept is called dollar cost averaging, rupee cost averaging, SIP, variety of names. But this is the only way to do it. That is enter slowly at different price points by investing the identical amounts of money into an asset you would want to invest in. Volatility should affect you much less if you do this. Interesting. So would would you recommend, Ajit, a percentage? Because a lot of people want to feel uh, cryptocurrency as all-in uh, investment. Uh, but but would you recommend like a percentage of the portfolio in the range that people should play with just because uh, young investors do not have an idea. They feel that they have this certain amount of money with them. So let's put all-in. So I'm 19 years old, one nine. And I may look Clearly. like a little more. No, I may look a little more than that. Like a lot of people might think I'm in my 50s or 60s. And the reason for that is that I'm in crypto. So in crypto, you age very fast. So that is one of the side effects. I'm just kidding. Quite obviously, I'm 52. But the fact is that if you have, a, if you're a youngster, you're a college student, you're 20 years old, and you really have like 1000 rupees, and you say, I'm going all in, I'm putting all 1000 into crypto. Uh, while, you know, not having a portfolio, blah, 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 is always a bad idea. But this would be an extreme situation where you're taking a punt where it may be okay to do this all in. But if you are earning your own money, if you have some expenditures attached to it, you have to do an asset allocation. The asset allocation fundamentally is around very safe investments, such as bank fixed deposits, government bonds, etc. Then slightly riskier investments, which would be like, you know, something which has a variable return, but is still not necessarily like, you know, let's say the is the largest uh, cap mutual funds, etc. Then you go still higher. So at the top, you come up with what is called the high risk part in this pyramid. That's why I, I was in my mind. The reason I said top is because I was envisaging a pyramid. Now it will require a financial advisor to sit with you, ask you lots of questions about your income, about your belief of future income and about your expenditure to come up with what percentage of your wealth should go into the uppermost, which is the riskiest asset class. So since I'm not a financial advisor, I'll desist from that. But let us begin with the point that that is 10%. That means things like derivatives and 
stock direct stock and startup investing and cryptocurrency so this high risk category is let us say 10% what percent it actually is you will decide my recommendation is that if you have already computed what is your high risk profile uh, whatever is that percentage in my case despite being much older than people in crypto or the average age I have put much greater proportion to crypto because I have led myself to believe that I have a moderately good understanding of it. But for others, I would say that if you have come up with your high risk portfolio number, then 10% of that. So if your high risk was 10%, then 10% of 10% becomes 1% of your total. Got could it. be a number that sounds logical to me. Having said this, please understand you could lose it all. And that would seem really bad advice at that point of time. So naturally, you have to bear the positive as well as negative outcomes of your decision. So please make your decision yourself. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very, very important point because I think I want to circle back to this example of Paytm that you gave, right? Uh, it's it's a very unfortunate story, but 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 the erosion of wealth that has happened for a lot of investors has definitely been difficult, primarily on, on the perspective that Paytm is a phenomenal company. Founder is fantastic. Lot of vision, lot of drive. On the other hand, you also have the example of GameStop as well, which uh, was ridiculous when it came to the the speculative nature of that stock. Uh, so I think both examples are very, very clear cut examples that you've mentioned that if you're willing to lose that money, you should be open to that as well. So that, that's one aspect of uh, the conversation. Uh, the other thing I want to circle back to is the NFT bit, uh, which I think is very, very important for uh, the culture that it is becoming mainstream. It is, it is inspiring. It's genuinely uh, paradigm shifting, but particularly for creators, whether they're YouTubers, Instagrammers, painters it is and and i truly believe that now is it it couldn't have been a better time for someone to follow their passion and really be able to monetize that now obviously there is a varying degree to this but uh nfts again uh are 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 again two schools of thought uh gimmicky and a fad do you want to unpack a little bit about people who are non-believers and who who think that they want an in on it but do not know where to start so I want to unpack your belief that I believe that it is here to stay. What I'm trying to okay. get at is the fact okay. that go back to the time when people started making TikTok videos. Because, you know, we have seen that cycle already. So let's try to draw an analogy. So first people were like, you know, several people dismissed TikTok. They, you know, what is the use of TikTok? There's already YouTube or some other. I can share my videos on Facebook and there, I have so much more reach. Then you realize that there was something special about it, the way you could create the videos and the way it would play, the way the algorithm would understand things, etc. And then it became a huge phenomenon, like incomparably better than some of the existing options. So again, take the case of influencers on YouTube specifically. A lot, let's say stock market influencer, right? Some or food influencer or fashion influencer. A lot of people will say, you know what, this man or this woman knows nothing but they are very good at marketing. They are very good at communicating or they get all the best brand deals, etc. I think that this is the situation that we are in, even when it comes to uh, NFTs. That a lot of people, pretty much like they would not necessarily respect influencers uh, because they would feel that the substance is very low. The rest of it is just the cream and the polish and the shine and the gimmick and the marketing and the promotion. Well, that has always been the case. In fact, people who are creators should understand that tomorrow, if I could in my house, stir up really tasty chocolate, right? As I could do something 
and I'll come up with chocolate which tastes better than the Cadbury, the Dairy Milk, the Kit Kat or what have you. What is the probability that starting from that one point of time, I would in a reasonable period of time beat Cadbury and Kit Kat and all at their game and those people would have to shut down and I would be the world leader of chocolate? Well, theoretically anything is possible, but you would agree that it doesn't seem too realistic, right? So the fact that I conjured up best chocolate does not mean that I'm going to beat the rest at their game. Suppose I come up with one more formulation which tastes better than Coke or Pepsi or is in some way superior, right? Uh, it uses honey. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe there's honey Coke. I don't think there is. And I, what is the probability that I'll, I'll unearth the market leadership position of Coke and Pepsi and then there'll be like Ajit Cola, however atrocious that sounds. Uh, and that will unearth the... <laughs> Coke and Pepsi of the world. What I'm trying to get at is that, and this is something all creators should understand, that to say that the substance of what I make, do, produce, create is great, I just don't know how to market it, polish it, communicate it, articulate it, uh, gimmickize it, etc. I think that you are fooling yourself. To believe that, uh, you know, for example, suppose you go to a shop and you want to buy anything. Let's say you want to buy sugar, you want to buy biscuits you want to buy chocolate would you accept any of these things if they didn't came, come in packaging at all what if somebody just handed you like a bunch of biscuits say here you wanted parleji go take it right i've not even come to the concept of branding i'm just talking about packaging you expect that always why should your viewers consumers of your content not expect it from you then comes the question of better and better and better packaging. Then comes the aspect of positioning. Then comes the position of branding. Then comes the position of quality. Comes minimum standards. So I believe that those who take new technologies, methods of exhibition, platforms of creation, and immediately move to the fact that the people who are winning, winning are somehow gimmicky, are right, technically speaking, but are being completely stupid in trying to differentiate those two things, right? Otherwise, you know, you could say, hey, why should I go to like Taj and eat Pav Bhaji for 550 rupees when I can get it for 20 rupees at Jew Beach, right? Yeah, sure. Keep complaining about that, right? But the Taj is making its money. So is the guy at the Jew Beach. You are the one who is sitting outside and analyzing. That's that's a very interesting point. Um, but at the heart of it, right? I think for me, it has been that creators create the communities and they have legions of fans, whatever that number is for them. And they are able to make a living out of that. And, and the thousand true fan theory and that number could probably scale with even uh, the, the larger number of followers. Um, community building, I believe, is at the heart of creator ecosystem. Everyone is trying to monetize the community that they are building. Uh, when it comes to community building, and, and this could be entirely your take as well, offline, online, both. Have you observed some things around what drives a community? What can be uh, some tenets, some principles when it comes to community building? Because you've you've been around a lot of startups uh, and you've seen either consumers, customers, because I understand that you're an extreme hyper customer focused individual. And that's been your theme with all your startups as well. Um, customer building, community building. What are your thoughts on this? Very simply, if somebody were to tell me what is the biggest thing any company or commercial enterprise, it could be an influencer, it could be a company, it could be a startup, it could be a crypto token, etc. should strive for, uh, my answer 15 years back would have been brand. 
today the answer is community of course brand is important and so is everything else experience mm-hmm. is important so many things and they are all interrelated these are not in a vacuum but if you were to force me and say no no, no give me one it is the answer is community right so you cannot you know overemphasize that and here's the beauty that crypto is all about community for example cardano why did cardano become cardano uh, for the longest time it was despite its promise of a lot of functionality in the future all the way up to august 2021 it really could do nothing it was still very 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 well loved by its community and that kept it in the top 5 top 10 or top 20 coins in the world right so community is very important now as far as uh, uh, your question around you know some thoughts around building community is concerned um three four things number one don't try to have the largest community that thousand true fans which is something that i have not heard of but it's obvious from the name so i'm assuming that as long as you have true fans and at least even a thousand of them then you made something big out of it so focus on having real following because you don't have to necessarily uh, you know plant thousands of seeds you can plant a few seeds and this will give rise to more trees which will create a full forest right so point number 1 focus on the degree of engagement and then of course if the degree, for a given degree of engagement please go with maximum quantity of followers but don't try to get maximum quantity of connections and not focus on degree of engagement that's number 1 number 2 the important thing is be regular keep creating content stick to it i myself have tried to be a youtuber a few times i do a few videos the views go up from 60 to like few thousand but i want few hundred thousand i would like a few million it doesn't happen overnight i give up well you are not the material that is going to be an influencer because you give up one of the characteristics of influencer see in hindsight when we look from outside in we see the influencer as a communicator we see the influencer as a creator of certain objects whether it is art whether it's video whether it's audio but that is from looking outside in after the influencer has become an influencer let's look at before because that you never got to see the reality is that the influencer is fun- fundamentally a persistent person that's it a fundamentally a persistent person who will stick to it and of course look at new opportunities for instance it was just less than 48 hours ago or roughly that much and actually less than 48 hours ago that twitter introduced the concept of community so twitter spaces are new but they have been around for over a year then twitter itself has been around for like more than a decade like 15 odd years whatever maybe if you missed the bus on so many other platforms this might be the place that you make your thing so so be on top of things be regular uh, focus on quality of audience uh, that's it as in if with this you don't manage that means what you are creating people don't appreciate so either you say listen i'll create it nonetheless because i like it i'm completely okay with that or you say that you know i'm going to service my customer so let me see what they want and tweak my thoughts accordingly but but on another note you know one of the things that has recently come up is that uh, the government is going to tax about 30% uh, you know the the currency that uh, will be either registered as profits uh, do you think like government regulation coming in obviously there is opportunity for them as well but uh, there is also this school of thought that people are leaving india the talent the technical talent that is leaving india and going to other countries because they are looking for tax you know free uh, countries where you know money is more saved uh, versus india like what what's your what's your debate on this because there is a lot of people who are talking that yes uh, it's good that government of india is you know recognizing at least 
that crypto exists and on the other hand people are leaving the country and looking for opportunities outside you know i think that a lot of people who are spectators to an event often view it differently than participants in that event so i do not believe that the brain drain is happening if that is the term for purposes of uh, uh, for purposes of tax brain drain is happening for fear people are terrified because i'll give you an example when right up front you introduced me as somebody who was a ceo of a cryptocurrency exchange that's a fact at that point of time i would sometimes have let's say my engineer come to me and ask me hey my parents are very worried that i am in cryptocurrency they feel i might get arrested is this a real fear and i would like what do you do So he's like, I'm a database administrator. So I said, why would the police want to come and arrest a database administrator? Like, what is this database that you administer? Somebody is a <laughs> .NET program, .NET developer. Somebody is an accountant. Somebody is. I'm like, are you guys doing anything wrong? Because if yes, then I'll call the police myself. But are you guys doing anything mm. wrong? They're like, no. But you know, we hear about this that. So I think this uncertainty has really broken everybody's back. And the reason, the way I can prove it convincingly is. Take the case of India. India has always had income tax. I'm not referring to crypto. You know, in general, it has always had income tax, right? Sometimes very high rates. Now stabilized around 30% for the prolonged period. Dubai zero income tax since forever. Why did all the Indian businessmen not move to Dubai? They didn't. Very few did. There are notable exceptions, but very few did. Why did they not? Because tax is okay. It is a pain. All of us wish that we didn't have to pay it, but tax is okay. the problem is this entire uncertainty like for example you could just do a poll in uh, on wherever you do your poll because you talked of a poll i think you refer to instagram and just right. ask people that regardless of what your opinion is keep your opinion to yourself i am talking about facts and knowledge is cryptocurrency legal in india or is it illegal in india right just simply this currently what is it the interesting thing is that Uh, depending on what your background is like in my followers they would all say legal okay most of them would say legal but the general populace would say illegal right and that is completely not true that's completely untrue as in you know all these indian cryptocurrency exchanges are thriving government knows where their offices police knows where their offices if it is illegal why are they not being told to shut up, shut down no government official has ever told no revenue department no enforcement directorate no finance ministry nobody has ever come and said shut it down because what you are doing is illegal suppose somebody would set up a casino they would immediately be told to shut it down because it's illegal right so what i'm saying is that this illegal illegal thing is just the way the words are being used is so crazy that i actually went and studied the definition of what constitutes illegal i actually did that and not too long ago just probably in the month of march 20 22 itself the month in which mm. this is being recorded so what i'm getting at is uncertainty is the enemy taxation of course we all want to pay as less tax as possible we want it to be rational we don't want it to be a flat rate because a rich person who is paying 30% tax in any case doesn't care if the tax is 30% even if they had said it be as per your slabs they would still pay 30% but the guy who did not have to pay tax or had to pay lower tax now is being made to pay 30% well then you are saying that only the rich people should invest right if that is your objective then just be clear about it so i think that the confusion the amplification by communicators i don't like to use the word media because a lot of people will blame media for everything 
the fact is media has a lot to be blamed for there's no doubt about it but i don't like to just assign blame so the source of the information which is the government the ministry of finance the reserve bank of india etc the communicators of that information which is print media digital media electronic media social media and then our own interpretations uh, is just creating a fud fud fear uncertainty and doubt this is going to lead to brain drain no doubt about it and i want to ask you at this juncture that um, because you are in continuous access with a lot of people is there some way that you unwind and collect your thoughts again are you are you more of an uh, person who's introspective in nature do you find clarity by more talking to people how do you how do you process your thoughts good last question of the podcast thanks yeah so uh, answering your question so i had actually been asked this question in an interview a couple of years ago i gave what i thought was the right answer but my answer startled me and i said you know what i have got to actually find out what the reality is. so the what i told them was that most of my time probably 80% of my time actually goes in reading learning new things maybe watching educational videos maybe signing up for courses maybe reading books hearing audio books etc and then later i thought you know what if the number is substantially different than 80% but just feels like 80% right uh, so i actually kept a log book and i have done this over the years once in a while uh, if i remove all the things like sleeping time and lunch eating time and all of those uh, which together constitute somewhere between 10 to 14 hours in a day and i just look at the rest which could be called developmental time whether you are working whether you are doing this podcast whether you doing whatever the fact is that there has been no week in the 5 or 6 weeks that i have evaluated my schedule over the last 5 years there has been no week in which i have spent and this is now an arithmetic fact it's not an exaggeration where i have spent less than 3/4 of my time which is 75% time on clearly developmental work developmental work is those things that we talked about reading articles reading news sometimes writing stuff reading books hearing audio books watching explanations of uh, of uh, on video uh i watch news relatively less but i watch a lot of editorial and news analysis etc uh that constitutes 75 plus percent of my time 75 it is a hell of a lot and it made me wonder when do i work and then i reconcile to the fact that this was work the remaining 25% is the application coincidentally i also did a log of what i do in the remaining 25% so it's not just 75 25 i have breakups under that but most of my time in the remaining 25% goes in what i could most as in close to all goes in what i could call meetings now meetings could be video conferences physical meetings phone calls or variety of other methods which is why things like messaging and email etc i tend to be really bad at and people tend to often have to remind me and reping me i think you may also have experienced that so so yeah so 75% 75% that is the amount of time i spend and frankly not enough but you know if 75% is not enough then you know 100% will not be also enough so at some point of time you have to stop but as a last follow up question i want to ask you is that uh, what are some books that you've uh, given gifted the most to other people so if you will allow me to include references of audio books because that has happened much more than physical books hey you know what i'm going to do some one better to you so i recently changed my residence and in changing my residence i could only pack very little stuff i had to actually throw or give away a lot of stuff 
I had over, I think, 600 books in my house, which I had accumulated over my 19 years of age. And I wanted to start from zero because I'm also doing audiobooks now. But I saved four books. So when I've chosen four books out of, let's say, 600, I don't know whether the exact number was 600. I think that that becomes an interesting thing. As in, what are the four books that I kept? So the four books that I kept were, one of them was The Hard Thing About Hard Things, Ben Horowitz. Uh, I kept scaling up, can't remember the name of the author, but since it's right near me, I could look it up, if the author's name, if you like. Uh, I took uh, From Zero to One. Peter right? Thiel. Yes, I must say, however much I love Peter Thiel, I didn't too much enjoy that book. Because frankly, after you read the title From Zero to One, that's the title, right? Right. I personally felt that the whole book just is repeating the title. As in, I did not really get the insights that I seek in a book or Peter Thiel is known to provide in general. His tweets are more enlightening. And I, I, I almost want to apologize to him for saying this, but no, I didn't enjoy the book. And the fourth book I have somehow forgotten. So must not be the most important, right? But yeah, so these are the four books. And recently I have advised a lot of people to uh, read uh, The Hard Things About Hard Things. Uh, that would be the number one. In addition, there are two videos on YouTube, which I have watched more than 100 times. And the reason I watched more than 100 times is not that I really want to. It is just that whenever I'm advising founders, I tell them to watch it. And because a lot of times videos seem like, you know, because they're both Hollywood videos. So they seem like superficial or spurious. What I do is I sit with them and watch it. So I've done this so many times that I also watch it. So one is the always be closing a uh, video from the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross, right? So that one, I think it's Alec Baldwin, if I'm not mistaken. So right. that always be closing roughly eight minute video. And then the other one is the group interview or group discussion or conference room video from the movie uh, Boiler Room. I think that's a Ben Affleck uh, serial. Uh, both of those, of course, are exaggerated Hollywood versions of how things work. But still, they reference the need to be focused and driven, right? And the first time you watch it, of course, it seems gimmicky because it's a Hollywood movie. But if I make you watch it like many times, it starts motivating you or at least it motivates me. Well, thank you very much, Ajit. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you being uh, with me here on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure there is so much of value the listeners will take back from this conversation. Yeah, just FYI for your viewers who may want to uh, know where I am found, while there are so many social media and I may have accounts on all of them, uh, the fact is that my native social media as of the last few years has been Twitter, on which my handle is A-J-E-E-T-K, that is Ajit K. And uh, I hope this does not qualify as a plug. It is just a way to carry on the conversation. Absolutely not. So uh, listeners, if you know where to reach him, this is the place, uh, the most active Twitter. Thank you once again, Ajit, for being on Jamsters. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of Jamsters, please make sure you subscribe to EPLog Media and all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, among many others, for upcoming episodes. You know, I love listening from each one of you. So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues. And please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. And also, if you're listening on EPLog Media, they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too. Your support is my fuel. You can connect with me on Instagram at the rate Hardik D. Vaidya or on LinkedIn too. Catch you on the other episode.